Well, good morning, everyone. It is a delight to be here with you all this morning on the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, bear with me. I've had sickness going through our house this week, and so uh, hopefully the Lord will assist me uh, in my voice this morning. Uh, well, as many of you know, <clears throat> my family and I live over on Maple, Maple Avenue, just around the corner from the church. And now our street, uh, I'd say, is quite aptly named, since if you drive or walk up it, you'll see rows and rows of, I believe, sugar maples, maybe some reds, bordering the road. They're almost like pillars in a courtyard or a corridor. Now, there's one particular maple that stands out among the rest, and it's located, if you can imagine, um, 17 Maple Ave, so the driveway east of ours toward Main Street on the corner of that driveway, uh, and it towers above the rest, and it really stands out among the maples of the street. Now, due to its age, its size, and perhaps its sickly status, uh, about a month ago, the town of Freeport came and cut the tree down. And so all that remains of this beautiful, towering, regal tree is but a stump. And I actually have a picture of it right here. Now, in the Old Testament alone, get this, uh, words such as tree, branch, leaf, Root, vine, shoot, and stump occur about 250 times. 250 times. Now, the people of Israel are often described as a tree, either embodied as or associated with trees or with vines. And the image is used in a range of genres to describe either the the flourishing in life of Israel or their judgment and death. A stump, as you can see, makes you think of the tree that once was, right? Makes you think of the stable trunk, the reaching limbs, the leaves and flowers that would blow in the wind. A stump, then, is a symbol of death, of judgment, of hope foreclosed, it seems. Now, can you all relate? to such an image, that of a stump? Does your life, does the world ever feel stump-like, especially these last few years? Do you ever look at the present state of things, either your family, your community, this church, this world, and long for what things once were? Do you ever look and think something big was cut off to result in what I see now? Well, this morning we'll look at a certain stump. Luckily not the stump on Maple Ave, but the stump that is the house of David. And to assure you from the get-go and give you hope this morning, God can do wonders with a stump. So hang on, bear with me this morning as we glimpse what I call divine hope for a stump. Now, we opened uh, the service with a reading from Psalm 72, this psalm of King Solomon, a psalm that proclaims, may the whole earth be filled with his glory. 
That is the glory of this earthly king, Solomon, who is an agent of the king of kings, the God of Israel, Yahweh. And then from there, we looked at Romans 15, verses 4 through 13, in which the apostle Paul uh, writes to the believers at Rome, encouraging them to welcome one another, Jew and Gentile, to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. King Jesus, the Christ, has opened up a kingdom, a realm, in which Jews and Gentiles could relate in peace and harmony. And Paul says, live into that space right now. And then we heard a reading from Matthew 3, verses 1 through 12, which may have stood out among the others. Uh, it's, it's a message featuring John the Baptist, who proclaims in the wilderness, repent, repent. He speaks to the powers that be, the the Pharisees and religious leaders, repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of God, this kingdom of justice and peace is here. It's here. Our theme sentence for this week, you can find it on the top of your bulletin in the order of service, is justice brings peace and makes hope possible. Now this sentence should Connect all of the lectionary readings, the three that we've heard thus far, and the reading that we're about to look at in Isaiah. The idea is that despite our stump-like world, God, the eternal King, the King of Kings, will bring justice, peace, and thus hope. So in just a minute, we're going to look at our fourth scripture reading this morning, Uh, But before we do that, let's take a moment to pray. Would you pray with me? Lord and King Jesus, we come before you overwhelmed by your mercy that you have opened up a new way to exist, a new way to be creatures, a new world even, and that that world has grown out of a stump, Lord. I pray that you would be present to us and with us this morning as we hear your word proclaimed and as we taste your word in the celebration of communion. Lord, I pray that you would form us into a community that embodies these realities, this kingdom of justice, this kingdom of newness, of life and hope. And so we love you and pray for soft hearts and that you would truly transform us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, last week we were in Isaiah chapter 2, and so I said a few words to orient us to this genre that we call prophecy, but let me just review a couple of those points for us this morning. Now, as I said last week, prophecy is not necessarily... Uh, just predictions about the future, kind of looking at history as a line and predicting events that would happen later on the line. Nor is it just a, a transcription of spoken words from God. Rather, the idea is that, that God is disclosing His perspective, His will, His dreams, as it were, disclosing that to the prophet Isaiah in some form, whether a vision, a dream, hard to say. And the prophet Isaiah is kind of transposing that into beautiful, expressive Hebrew poetry. 
And so as we read the, the poetry that is prophecy, we can pull out all of this meaning that together constructs this image that is what, what Yahweh has, has transmitted to the prophet, that kind of idea. Now, this perspective shared with us uh, isn't, isn't meant to just satisfy our curiosity, um, but prophecy is always meant to elicit a, a response, a change of life. And so you think of John the Baptist, who in many ways is a prophet and is urging the powers that be to repent, to change, because the kingdom is here. And so as we read these visions converted into poetry, they are always meant to affect us viscerally, and we are meant to leave changed. Now, the chapter before our passage uh, in Isaiah chapter 10 features an oracle of judgment uh, against the people of Syria. And so to review a little bit, the Assyrians were uh, to the east of the Israelites, and in about the 8th century BC, which is when Isaiah was writing, um, this foreign nation was encroaching upon the borders of Israel and were threatening to invade, and they did, in fact, invade and occupy Israel. And so Isaiah is writing before this, during this, and after, all in the midst of such turmoil. Now, what we see is that the God of Israel is portrayed here as a woodcutter. So any of you who are you know, cutting firewood for the winter, you can resonate here. Um, God is portrayed as this, this woodcutter using Assyria as a saw or an axe to, to cut down the tree or the brush or the vine that is Israel. So the metaphor is that God is using this foreign nation to judge or punish the faithless Israelites who had abandoned him. However, the Assyrians began to think of themselves as more than just a tool. Uh, they began to think of themselves as the woodcutter, the wielder of the tool. And so due to their arrogance, as a result of their pride and presumptuousness, these are some things that we read in Isaiah 10. It says, Shall the axe boast over him who hews with it? Or the saw magnify itself against him who wields it? As if a rod should wield him who lifts it, or a staff should lift him who is not wood. As a result of their pride, this is what God says he will do to the Assyrians in Isaiah 10, verses 33 and 34. It says, The Lord will lop the bows of Assyria with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. It says, He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon, another name for Assyria, will fall by the majestic one. So here the tables have been turned, and, and God is committing to cut down Assyria, casting them uh, in the same terms as Israel, as a tree. But more so, we read, that the light of Israel, which I think symbolizes this, this pillar of fire and cloud of smoke that we see accompanying Israel in the wilderness, God symbolizes fire, the light of Israel will become a fire and His Holy One a flame, and it will burn and devour 
Assyria's thorns and briars in one day. The glory of his, Assyria's, forest and of his fruitful land the Lord will destroy. Connecting with Matthew in the language of unquenchable fire. So on the one hand, God has used Assyria as a saw to cut down Israel, leaving a stump. On the other hand, he has turned into a wildfire that has engulfed and burned up Assyria. The latter image is that of complete and utter desolation, destruction, no hope. Whereas with a stump, there at least remains a little bit of room for hope. So at this point, let's turn then to Isaiah chapter 11, our text for this morning. I invite you to turn there with me. Isaiah 11, and I will be reading from the ESV, which is the same version as the Pew Bible. Isaiah 11, I'll be reading the first 10 verses. Um, And as you are able, friends, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Keeping that context in mind, this is what Isaiah says. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord." And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. You may be seated. So this 10-verse passage can be broken up, I think, into four sections, roughly four sections. What we see in verse 1 is an announcement of news, good news. There shall come forth a a shoot or a branch from the stump of Jesse. Then in verses 2 through 5, we have a description of this shoot or branch. Now, following that in verses 6 through 9 is another description but not of the shoot or branch, rather the realm that would result from the shoot emerging from the stump. And lastly, in verse 10, we have a restatement of the announcement in verse 1 uh, with, with an expansion and clarification that will close us out. So let's dive in then at verse 1, looking at the news that Isaiah announces in this bleak situation. 
We've talked about uh, the image of God as woodcutter using Assyria to cut Israel. And you can imagine Assyria, or Israel at this, at this time, especially the house of David, that is the, the line from which the kings of Israel would come. God had made promises to this effect. You can think of the house of David looking an awful lot like the stump that I projected on the screen. It says, from this stump, this seemingly hopeless situation, there shall come forth a shoot. You can think of a a, a radical, a stem that emerges out of the side of, of a stump. Of course, the trunk is gone and the branch is gone, but sometimes you see this little sapling emerge. And this shoot is further defined as a branch that would bear fruit. The image, of course, here is horticultural. Uh, It is metaphorical at this point. And and it's simply meant to convey some hope to Israel who had begun to see themselves as a stump. These kings that had descended from David had failed and had failed and had failed, and so they'd wonder if if God's promises would come true, namely that, that a descendant of David would sit on the throne in Jerusalem forever. So this comes as good news, verse 1. But then in verses 2 through 5, we get a description of exactly what this shoot looks like. A description that transcends metaphor and moves into some literal realities. It says in verse 2 that the Spirit of the Lord... This is Ruach Adonai. This is the same Holy Spirit that we see in in the early chapters of Genesis attending God in creation. The Holy Spirit language that's picked up in the New Testament. This Spirit of the Lord shall rest not upon it, the shoot, but upon Him. Here we get third-person masculine pronouns as opposed to this inanimate object, a shoot or a branch. It says literally that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This shoot, this horticultural image is, is defined here as a person, as a descendant of David, Someone from this this house, this stump of Jesse, who is possessed by God's breath, his spirit, and is characterized by all the traits that are predicated of an ideal king. So if you read in the Old Testament about, about what makes for a good king in Israel, you'll see all of these characteristics. And unfortunately, many of the The descendants of David at this time had failed and had failed and had failed to live up to this. But there would emerge a shoot, a figure from the house of David, who is full of God's Spirit and is possessed by all these qualities. Verse 3 is hard to translate, but the idea is that his very essence, his personality, will be characterized by the fear of the Lord. It goes on to say that this this ruler, this this Davidic uh, political leader, this king, will not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. The, The verbs judging and deciding disputes 
are the same verbs we saw last week in Isaiah 2. When the mountain of the house of the Lord is lifted up and God himself reigns in Jerusalem, judging and deciding disputes, this ruler would not uh, lead superficially, would not give in to bribery and, and judge according to appearance, but would see into the heart of things. Says that he would judge the poor with righteousness and, and deliver equity, equitable decisions for the meek of the earth. Think about those words, the poor and the meek. And think of some other passages in Scripture that mention such figures. Not only will this figure uh, deliver justice to the oppressed and the, the abused, but, but would hold accountable those who are abusive and violent. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and shall kill the wicked with the breath of his lips. Interesting here, though, is that it emerges from the mouth. And we read in the New Testament about uh, the, the word being a weapon rather than literal violence, but speaking words that convict and that judge, that sort of thing. Lastly, in verse 5, it says that this ruler will be clothed in righteousness and faithfulness. It will be the belt of his loins and of his waist. So we see that this shoot that would emerge from the stump is defined further as a figure, a human person. And in verses 6 through 9, we get a description of what the realm will look like under his rule. Now, Edward Hicks and some other Romantic-era artists, visual artists, have rendered this uh, peaceable kingdom in beautiful ways. I thought about uh, putting an image up for you. Um, and, and, and it is idyllic to imagine these animals coexisting together in this new creation. But I do want to remind you, friends, that this is uh, prophetic and thus poetic literature. And so Isaiah is trying to convey to us this realm of peace and harmony. I'm not sure that we are to interpret this totally literally as though this Messiah or this, this descendant of David would arise and as a result the, the bears would stop eating uh, rodents and the lions would stop eating and lambs. It's, it's hard to imagine those animals existing as such if their diet was totally changed. Um, but many do interpret it that way. I think, though, that the point is that predator shall live with prey in perfect and complete harmony in this new realm. Wolves, leopards, lions, bears, and snakes, vipers, living together with lamb, young goat, calf, etc. Now we see in the New Testament language of the sheep and the wolves, and the people of God being portrayed as sheep in the midst of wolves, you think of the Apostle Paul persecuting the church as, as a wolf, but then he becomes a leader of the church and dwells among the lambs. And so it is this visceral, vivid picture of a peaceable, um, harmonious kingdom, all brought about by this shoot of Jesse. Verse 9 sums it up well and says that in this realm brought about by this ruler, they all of the inhabitants of this kingdom, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Again, reaching back to Isaiah 2, this language of the mountain lifted up. 
It says, they, they shall not hurt or destroy because the earth, the entire realm, shall be full, just bursting, saturated with the knowledge of the Lord, God's values, God's dreams, God's ethics, shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. <clears throat> and as Mike likes to say, at high tide, right? Lastly, in verse 10, we get a restatement of verse 1, the news that comes. It says, in that day, in God's time, this root of Jesse, this branch from the house of David, shall stand as a banner, a victory, a signal, a military standard, shall stand as, as a victorious symbol for all the peoples, all the nations. And all those nations shall inquire of him, and stream to his resting place, which shall be glorious. In many ways, friends, this, this picture in Isaiah 11 restates, but expands upon and clarifies the picture that we received last week in Isaiah 2. This language of the mountain of the house of the Lord being lifted up, the nation streaming like a river toward the holy city, and God ruling such that weapons are melted down into farm tools and peace reigns forever. In this passage, though, Isaiah 11, we learn that the God doing the judging and ruling would be a human figure from among the descendants of Jesse. It would be someone on whom the Spirit of the Lord rests, someone who would judge the poor with justice, the meek with equity, who would hold the wicked and violent accountable. In, in his kingdom, it says wolf and lamb, leopard and goat, child and viper, like I said, symbolic of the, the weak and the powerful, would all live together in perfect harmony. Now, from where we stand today, does this make you think of anyone in particular? Just looking at Matthew 3, the gospel text from which our third lectionary reading comes, we see mention of roots, trees, fruit, water, fire, vipers, children, and the Holy Spirit. Eight items that come from Isaiah 11. And just after that reading, we read, get this, the Spirit of God descended on him and came to rest on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Friends, Jesus of Nazareth, a descendant of Jesse, fits all the characteristics of the figure in Isaiah 11. The Spirit of God rests upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord, Jesus does not judge by what his eyes see, but he treats the poor and lowly with justice, the meek and the oppressed with equity, and he breathes fire against those in power who abuse and destroy. Jesus is clothed in righteousness and faithfulness. I would say that he is the king of our opening psalm, Psalm 72. And as a result of his arrival, God's kingdom is established a place of harmony, peace, 
place of hope. So as I mentioned last week, I think that we are authorized to view this kingdom and that of Isaiah 2 as not, not only some future literal reality, which may or may not feature lions that don't eat lambs, but rather as Christians reading this today, we can see this kingdom in and as the church. The church, the community of believers, is the realm that King Jesus has opened. It's a realm in which justice and equity reign, even if they reign nowhere else. It's a realm in which those who are vicious and abusive and violent will be held accountable. It's a realm in which the weak and the vulnerable come together with the powerful and privileged to experience harmony, peace, and yes, hope. From the stump of Jesse, friends, there came a shoot. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. And that shoot, in the words of Isaiah, grew up like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He says it had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, cut out of the land of the living. Yet after death, that shoot continued to grow. He was raised from the dead and kept on growing. He ascended to heaven and still kept growing, pouring out his spirit on his disciples who spread that spirit like wildfire. And friends, that stump of Jesse, that root and dry ground grew and grew and grew such that, and I quote, it is now larger than all the garden plants and became itself a tree so that the birds of the air come to make nests in its branches. Oh, what wonders God can do with a stump. Oh, what wonders God can do with us. So in closing, friends, we are the kingdom of glory that stands as a signal to the peoples. We are the kingdom of Christ. May we shine with his light in our world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful text of Scripture, a text that points us to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, the one who opened up a new reality for us, firstborn in the new creation. Lord, I pray that as we gather for this communion meal together, that we would become enmeshed with one another, that we would embody these realities and become this standard, this symbol of victory and light for all the peoples. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.